again to our guests for being our guests today. It's a, it's a blessing that you're here. We want to be a blessing while you're here. And so uh, please visit the Welcome Center if it is your first time. As the video said, we want to give you a gift. Just say thank you, answer any questions you may have about the church. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to pick up kind of where we left off last week. But um, I, I thought it was amazing this morning. I got up and first thing I, I looked at this uh, devotion. Just thank the Lord for the day. And um, I thought it was so interesting that the text was what we're studying today. Uh, specifically today, again, in this devotion. And here's what it says. I'm just going to read this. It's short. Uh, it says, First uh, Thessalonians 5, 6, Let us not sleep as others do. There are many ways of promoting Christian wakefulness. Among the rest, let me strongly advise Christians to converse together concerning the ways of the Lord. So, talk to each other about the things of God. Christian and hopeful, as they journeyed toward the celestial city, said, them, said to themselves, to prevent drowsiness in this place, let us fall into good discourse. Christian inquired, brother, where shall we begin? And hopeful answered, where God began with us. Then Christian sang this song, when saints do sleepy grow, let them come hither and hear how these two pilgrims talk together. Yea, let them learn of them in any wise, thus to keep open their drowsy, slumbering eyes. Saints' fellowship, if it be magnified well, keeps them awake, and that in spite of hell. He goes on to say, Christians who isolate themselves and walk alone are very liable to grow drowsy spiritually. Hold Christian company. And you will be kept wakeful by it and refreshed and encouraged to make quicker progress in the road to heaven. But as you thus take sweet counsel with others in the ways of God, take care that the theme of your converse is the Lord Jesus. Let the eye of faith be constantly looking to him. Let your heart be full of him. Let your lips speak of his worth. Friend, live near the cross. And thou wilt not sleep. Labor to impress thyself with a deep sense of the value of the place of which thou art going. If thou rememberest that thou art going to heaven, thou wilt not sleep on the road. If thou thinkest that hell is behind thee, and the devil pursuing thee, thou wilt not loiter. Would the manslayer uh, I'm sorry, would the manslayer sleep with the avenger of blood behind him and the city of res refuge before him? Christian, wilt thou sleep while the pearly gates are open? The songs of angels waiting for thee to join them and a crown of gold ready for thy brow. Ah, no. In holy fellowship continue to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And I, I got up again, and I thought, man, that's so amazingly awesome that today, the point we're covering, this is the second point from last week, that's why it's 11b, is because I felt like it, it, it's, it's all together. We have to cover this together. And what we saw last week is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 5. And it says this, now, 
as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you know what we said, talked about that, the chronology and also the, the uh, what's going on, the, the description of the times. You have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they're saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. The point we saw last week was from that text, and it was this, Christians have been forewarned and should be living in, in anticipation. We talked about what living in anticipation means, if you were here, um, to live in pursuit of Christ regardless of what happens in our lives. Again, no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what we go through, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're thinking, to live in anticipation should be living in pursuit of Christ, which living in pursuit of Christ also mean, means living in pursuit of holiness. Why? To be the light to be the witnesses that he's called us to be. And so this morning, as we turn our attention to the next set of verses, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 6, the verse that we just read in that devotion. We're going to see a continuation, basically, of that first point. It says this, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Point number two there in your notes is this. Christians are to stay vigil spiritually vigilant and in tune. Christians are to stay spiritually vigilant and in tune. Now, there is two types of, uh, you know, or, or a, a few types of being in tune. One of the types of being in tune is... Uh, I think, in accord with what the point is here and what he's even trying to say in these verses, which is, should be applicable in our lives, and that is one of a musical instrument, right? There is a, a standard uh, uh, when, when most people tune a, a, a piano or a, a guitar or a bass or whatever, and uh, everybody tunes to that standard and uh, 440. And so it's, it's important that that is the standard that you stay in tune with. If not, uh, then it, it doesn't sound good, right? Um, I've illustrated that before in, in, in years past, but I could grab the guitar and, and I, could, I could play a normal chord and then I could just tune, untune, I go a little sharp, a little flat on just one string and I think a lot of people, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people would hear that and go, ugh, something sounds bad about that now. It's not in tune. Uh, the other, other type of being in tune is uh, being engaged in connected to, uh, alert, aware to something. And so uh, it, it's, it's so important for us to grab hold of what he's saying here in light of the end times. Again, as a continuation of that first point, I think that it's vital we remember that where we are going, just like the devotion said, heaven, to meet our Lord, to be with him forever, should be what's driving us every day. We should not get comfortable here on this earth. It should not be something that we're, we're, we're good at loitering a place we're good loitering at, right? That's what he said. Don't loiter. You know, you're on the path to heaven. You should be living like that. You should be living in light of the fact that Jesus is coming soon. The question that came to my mind is, is there a greater future event to prepare for than the return of Jesus Christ? 
Think about that. Is there a greater future event for the people of God to prepare for than the return of Jesus Christ? Retirement? I know, I know some of you are retired, some of you recently retired. And while that's awesome to retire, and it's, it's, a, it's a great blessing to get to that place in your life where, where you can retire and not have to be in the, 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 the laboring of day in, day in and day out, that's not the greatest future event for us to prepare for as Christians. A lot of people do that. A lot of people put, a lot of people put more effort into preparing for their retirement on this earth than meeting the Lord in the air. What about a vacation? Man, I'm telling you what, our family, we're, praise God, by God's grace, if he allows, we're, our, our vacation is planned right after school lets out, basically. It's the first time we've done that in a while. Well, usually we go at the end of the summer, and we are just like scratching and clawing to, to vacation, you know, just like, ah, can't wait to get there. We've been talking about it. We're so excited to, to go and get away, you know. It's, we're prayerfully going to go where there's sun, and, and, and it's shining, and it's warm. That's, that's what they're wanting to do, so that, that's our plan. And as excited as we are, there's no way, and even if there's a, a greater vacation that people can plan for, that's not the greatest future event that we should be pre preparing for. What about the next election? I'm not trying to get political, but in the context of the world that we live in, there's a lot of people that are just, wait, I cannot wait till 2024. Don't raise your hand. Don't say amen. But, uh, but, but a lot of people are, are, are thinking like that and, and, and gearing their lives on a daily basis to prepare for that. And, and even in maybe a darker sense, some people with what's going on in the world are thinking, man, I, we, should we be preparing for World War III? You know, I mean, we're thinking that way in our minds, and our lives. Is this what's going to happen? Are we going to experience this? Are we the generation that's going to see another world war? And as, and as, as important as, as, I believe, and vigilant we should be as, you know, citizens and, and people on this earth, God's entrusted us with that. It's still not the greatest event that we should be preparing for. I mentioned before that Jesus faced the spiritual slumber that poured into the physical life of his followers from the garden until today. And what I mean by that is after his lesson that he gave them in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 about the end times, after warning them of what would happen to him, and after he warned them that, of what would happen to them, he asked them to do something spiritually, uh, spiritual there at the end before he was betrayed. Some of you know what he was telling them to do. It was very vital. It was essential. He, he sat uh, three of them down specifically and said, this is what I want you to do. This is so, this is so clear. There's no ambiguity here. There's no, there's no cloudiness. There's no fog. There's no gray area. He simply told them, stay awake and pray. Right? They're, they're simple. All I need you to do is stay awake and pray. What happened, though? Right? Jesus, in his most desperate hour, with his three closest disciples, man, that's got a sting. That's got a, that's got a sting. Out of everybody who's supposed to be spiritual following Jesus, the three closest to him, you would think, man, guys, I understand maybe the others fell asleep, but you were the three closest to him. You're the three most dedicated, most love me, most passionate, most devoted. Three most, the, the inner circle it's called. 
Matthew 26 tells us exactly what happened. He came to his disciples in verse 40 and found them sleeping. See, Jesus knew a bigger picture. And it wasn't just the, ba- the, the fact that they had physically fallen asleep. It's the fact that they physically fell asleep in light of what was spiritually ahead of them. Right? Which means also that they were spiritually slumbering. Because if they were so out of tune, if they were so you know, not concerned with, they were not living in anticipation of what he said was to come, that they could fall asleep physically in that very, that, that, that most desperate hour, then it does speak to that spiritual slumbering that he was warning them about. And, about. and so that's what he said to them. He said, so you, you could not watch with me one hour? And I, don't, I don't know about you, if, if the Lord's ever come to you and asked you questions like that in your spirit, I'm not talking about audibly, but as you've read scripture, or maybe you're in, living in a season of life and and, and, or maybe you're hearing a message or hearing a devotion or whatever the case may be and you feel like the Holy Spirit petitions you with things like this, ask you, what are you doing? Why aren't you talking to them? Why haven't you made things right? Why haven't you shared the gospel? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you gone there? Why? I don't know if you've, he's ever done that to you, but He's done that to me, and, and, and then the conviction sets in of, of not doing what I should be doing, living in light of, of his soon return. So he asked him, you couldn't watch just an hour? You couldn't stay awake just an hour and pray? And then he gives them a charge. Watch, stay awake. That's what it means. Stay awake and pray. Again, this was a bigger picture, not just physically stay awake. He was saying, spiritually, stay awake. Know what's coming up. Look forward to what's ahead. Be ready for what's ahead. And pray that you enter, that you may not enter into temptation. And he explains the reason why this is so important. Because the Spirit indeed is willing. You, you, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, has changed you, transformed you, made you a new person. And, and you want to do those things. You want to be more in tune and more anticipating the Lord's return than you do retirement, vacation, uh, whatever, you know, World War III election, whatever. But you got to realize that there's still that battle in the flesh. And the flesh is weak. There's no question the body needs rest. Usually every morning... Uh, we get up, and after we kind of get going and everything, sometimes right away, Rochelle and I will ask each other, how'd you sleep? We see the girls in the morning, how'd you sleep? Sleep is important. Rest is important. There's no question about it. The body needs rest. But Jesus, again, here with these disciples, and some people say, maybe he's being insensitive. They were going and going and going and going, serving, 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 serving. They were so close to Jesus. They were doing all this stuff for Jesus. They were serving the kingdom of God. But in the moment, the moment demanded that they stay awake, both physically and spirit, most importantly, spiritually. And, and the concern that we have in our, in our culture today, especially in, in the Christian church today, is that there are so many people that are, not, that, that are comfortable loitering on this earth. They're not 
engaged in spiritual alertness. They're, 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 they're not being spiritually vigilant. They're, they're not anticipating what Jesus said was going to come and living their life in light of that. They're, again, living their life in light of what's happening next in, in, in their, their, their current world. If you can't stay spiritually alert for one hour, it's basically what he was saying. If you can't stay spiritually alert for one hour and do something spiritually vital in the most troublesome time before the great event to come, he was telling them, then you're going to struggle to stay spiritually awake, period. Right? Again, I think that it's so important for us to realize how distracted that we can become. Right? Sometimes we can't even be in a church service. And be in a church service, listen, we started a little after 9.15. It's not even 10 yet, right? And the chances are, because we are such a distracted people and such a busy people, the chances are that we came here, if we got here on the right time, with the right mindset, that even with all the right pre preparedness coming into this place to worship the Lord, the chances are the majority of, of us in here have had a different thought than just simply engaging our Lord Jesus Christ and his people. Whether it's what you got to do later or what, what you're having for lunch or what you need to take care of at home or what you're excited to go see or But Jesus was pointing to this great conflict between our fallen nature, the flesh, the fleshly bodies that we live in, and the spirit living within us. The truth is we're often lazy. We're lazy. And we're tempted to please ourselves. We easily idolize things and easily get distracted even while spiritually vital things are happening. Right? We, we can, we can supposed to be doing something very, very important and then get an alert on our phone. Check social media. Check email. The closer we get to the end, the crazier this world gets the more alert we as the people of God should be. It, it shouldn't be like the, the, the more time and money and, and stuff I get, the, 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 the happy. No, we, we should remember that time is short. It's so easily, easy to idolize things, even ourself and what we want to do. It is so easy to get distracted. We're not only know that in this world we're to be vigilant for the enemy's schemes uh, on top of this, but we also understand that the enemy is, is truly out to get us. He, he's waiting for, as we read in that devotion, that one who is, is not constantly engaging the church, constantly engaging the people of God in, in, in holy conversation, in conversation about the Lord and about what's to come. He's looking for that person who, who just gets comfortable and starts spiritually slumbering and starts to feel, com again, comfortable in this world and begins to loiter and begins to make them the, 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 this, this world more comfortable for themselves to live in. He's looking for that person to isolate themselves from the people of God, to really connect to people who are lost and, 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 and feel disconnected from the people of God and the purpose of God. 
He's looking. And the Bible says as a roaring lion in 1 Peter chapter 5, prowls around seeking someone to devour. That's why he said that first part. He said, be sober. Be on the alert. Be, be awake and in tune. Know that the, that the enemy, he has no care for your life. He, he has no empathy, sympathy. He, has, he, he doesn't care if you're going through something already. He cares not. He's just looking for the opportunity to destroy you. But the problem is, so often, we are giving him so much opportunity ourselves. We can make it real easy on him. And, and, and again, sometimes so easy that he's like, Look, you're doing a good enough job. I don't really have to do anything. You're already so spiritually asleep sometimes. I'll just let you keep sleeping spiritually. It's absolutely vital that we're spiritually ready and awake for the Lord's return. I want you to listen to this and look at this on the screen. You can follow, maybe you have it in, your, in your, your Bible there too. But three times in six verses, the, Lord's char the Lord charged that specifically. In Mark chapter 13, verse 32, listen to what Jesus said. This is Jesus. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. I want you to listen to the first time. He says, be on guard, keep awake. That's the first one. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey, and when he leaves home, and he puts his servants in charge, each with his, his work, and, and he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. It's just like that, he says. And so then the second time, in verse 35, he charges again. Therefore, because it's just like that, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. Verse 36, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, here's the third time, stay awake. As I said, this, this point is connected to the first point, staying spiritually awake, spiritually alert. It's part of living in anticipation. You say, I, 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 I feel like that I am. I, I watch the news. I, I read different things. I feel like that I'm staying. Yes, that's important. But again, as we read in, in the devotion and what we've been talking about, if we are not clinging closely to Jesus and to one another, we are not going to be as alert as we need to be. That's according to Scripture. Paul would write a similar charge to the Romans. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, he says this, Besides this, you know the time, that the hours come for you to wake from your sleep, for salvation or our deliverance, our, our rescue, is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. The, the, the time of Satan's rule is, is far gone. It's, it's, it's coming to an end, he said. The day is at hand... So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Look what he says. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Staying spiritually alert, awake, and in tune. Waking up, realize that this is the opportunity we have to walk as children of light. Daily, we have to strive. Every day, strive to look through the biblical lens 
that the Lord has given us. Every day when you read that newspaper, every day if you look on social media, every day, whatever, you, you, you engage people, everything we do, we should be striving to look at everything through a biblical lens. We must strive, therefore, to live daily through the lens of spiritual vigilance. If we are in the Scriptures and we're looking through the lens of the, of, of the Scriptures, then what's going to end up happening is we're going to stay spiritually vigilant. And, and that means that we're going to stay spiritually ready. We're going to know that we're in the battle. We're going to know that Jesus is coming soon. We're going to know that our flesh is weak. And we're going to live like that. Daily through the lens of spiritual wokeness. Not as woke as in today's terminology, of course, but spiritually woke. This is a vital point for us this morning, church. We're getting closer. Obviously, each generation has said the same thing. We're getting closer. <laughs> but it's true. There, there are, I, I want to say, that there are mind-blowing things that are happening right now. There's no time uh, left in, in, in this morning's message. There's probably not enough time in, in, in a message, period, to cover all the things that are going on today, but time is drawing close. Things are rapidly advancing in the world. And things are surfacing. Lies are being exposed. There's also great deception swirling around the enemy is testing public waters it seems what i mean by that are there are things that always used to be like oh that's crazy and now they're kind of coming to the public surface things in science and technology and governments advancing the end time agenda that we see in scripture Again, if you're not aware of, of, again, I don't have time to go into all of the things concerning some of the countries and some of the things that are going on and even concerning some of the stuff in Israel. And again, as I said, some of the stuff in, in technology and science and medicine, all this stuff that all kind of swirls around what we see in Scripture, facilitating what the end looks like. It's, it's alarming. Things that have never existed before but because of technology, exists now. Situations and, and, and possibilities that never have existed before because of certain technologies and advancements now are a reality. Where biblical scholars in the past used to even surmise, like, well, maybe it would be like this. Or maybe now biblical scholars are, are saying st stuff like this. Well, we see now how it can be like this. Please hear me. You say, well, that's kind of scary. No, no, no. Don't, don't, as a Christian, it should not scare you at all. If you're a child of God, this should not scare you. But it should alarm us. It should ring the spiritual alarm in our, in our spirit. We, we should say, you know what? Just like Jesus taught, it should bring me anticipation and spiritual alertness. See, that's what he says. Seeing all these things come to pass. When you see all this come to pass, that's exactly what's happening in our day and time. We have got to see when things are happening because we're close to Jesus, we're looking through a biblical lens, we're looking through the lens of spiritual alertness. As the more things come to surface, the more we should say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
I want to read this section and we'll close. Uh, I've mentioned it and I've referenced some, some scriptures in it uh, in this study so far, but I, I want to put this in the context that it is because this is exactly what Jesus was saying. We cover Matthew chapter 24 and again some of these parts that we're going to read right now. But in Matthew chapter 24, if you remember, his disciples asked him, what's it going to be like? How are we going to know it's the end? And Jesus laid it out for them. This is exactly what's going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen in the world. And then after the tribulation of that time, it's going to get crazy. <laughs> and so to explain all of that, and to explain at the end of chapter 24 what he told them to do, he gives a couple of parables. He gives a couple of illustrations of what it needs to look like for them and what it looks like for those who aren't living spiritually alert and in tune. And so in verse 1 he says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be likened like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. If you get that, did you hear what he said? Who went to meet the bridegroom. Who went out to meet the bridegroom. This is, this is, this is the illustration. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Some theologians said, well, the oil, you know, even dating back to the anointing of, of kings and, 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 and others and it is, is kind of representative of the Spirit, which you can, you can get there. It's not 100%. It, it's not spelled out in Scripture. Like, you can get there like that, I guess, if you can see it as that. Regardless, he's talking about their preparedness. He's talking about their alertness, their in-tuneness with what is actually happening, right? The bridegroom's going away. The bridegroom's going to come back. And these were foolish because they were not preparing as if he was coming back. They were not living their life like he was going to come back and they needed to be prepared regardless of what day or time or hour he came back. But look what it did the wise in verse 4. The wise took flask of oil with their lamps. So not only did they have the lamps, right? Everybody calls himself a Christian these days who shows up at church and who lives in the Bible Belt. Everybody's a Christian regardless if they actually have the Holy Spirit in them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. There was evidence in their life that they were living in faith. They were living by, by confidence of the bridegroom returning. That's what it was. The fact that they had the oil with them meant that they trusted the bridegroom. That's, that's what it was saying. And as the bridegroom was delayed, another word for that is tarry. That's why somebody says, is the Lord tearing his coming? Yeah, that, that, that's what it, it appears to be in, in his delaying his return. And in this time period, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. I'm talking about that slept here in just a second. Uh, come out and, to meet him. There it is again. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, well, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. I don't know if you can picture it, but that's kind of what I see at the ark and the door that's already been shut. Boom, 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 boom. Please let us in. We're, we, we believe you now, Noah. We believe that the rain, the, the, there's a flood coming. We've never seen rain from the sky. Let us in now. But everybody knows it was too late. But the wise answers, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. 
Well, they were going to buy. And so I thought they were being selfish. They had confidence. They, they had put all of their confidence in the bridegroom and his return, that they had to be ready when he returned. It's kind of like somebody saying, well, me and, my, me and my husband, me and my wife, we're saved. Aren't our kids saved just because they were raised in our home? You know, you, they got to have oil themselves. They've got to have salvation themselves. So these people in, in a, fr- a frenzy, they go out and try to buy. But when they were doing that, the bridegroom, bridegroom came. And those who are ready, hear, did you hear that? Those who were ready, anticipating, living with spiritual vigilance and alertness and, and in tune to what's going on, they were, they were ready. You say, yeah, but it said they slept all ago. You know, we'll get to that in a second. They're ready, went in to meet him to meet the marriage, meet went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Look, listen to what he says. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Wow. That is such a heartbreaking statement. Can you imagine one day, again, Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter 7. Some of you know what it says. That some of them are going to cry out to him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name do many wonderful works? The Lord will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Did you hear what he said? They prophesied his name. In his name they did, they, they did many wonderful works. They cast out demons. These people were involved in church. But they didn't have the oil prepared for their lamp. So listen to the charge right after he said to that, right? He gives them this story, and so then he tells the application to his followers, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And he's talking about his return. He gave that illustration. Five lived in anticipation. Five lived in faith. Five lived in confident expectation. Five stayed spiritually alert and in tune. Five lived, please hear me, like they had a golden ticket. There was a difference. There was an obvious difference. Five were in the the marriage, the wedding feast. Five were shut out, and the Lord said, I never knew you. Five lived like they, they, they truly were anticipating meeting their Lord. And five, again, lived like they just had a golden ticket. Yeah, I said a prayer. I go to church. I'm a Christian. There's a difference between saying that and living like this. That's what he was saying. That's, that's what Jesus, he said, so you need to make sure that you're living in anticipation of your Lord's return. And the five wives lived like they knew their bridegroom was co- coming, even though, just like at the end of a long day, Remember it said that he had delayed his coming? He, he had tarried? They got drowsy, and the translation is slept in this one, but it also means they laid down. So they could have got spiritually lazy. They could have not been alert, which was the whole lesson that Jesus was giving them. And that's what it, it, it probably means, is that they didn't fall spiritually asleep. They were maybe spiritually lazy, which, again, as I said in the beginning, could describe us in many times. So... Again, the charge was to stay awake. The next section is a a continuation of that. I'm going to read that and we'll close. 
Verse 14. For we'll be like a man going on a journey. Here's the second illustration, the second parable, the second story to illustrate the whole point, our point number two. This is what the kingdom of, of heaven is like, he said. It's going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them, entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another, one. I'm sorry, another two, and to another one. So three people, five, two, and one. Listen to what it says here. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents, listen to what it says, went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received one talent, look what he did. He went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now it's important to understand that talent, I'll talk about this in just a second. But talent does not mean your, your natural abilities or your acquired abilities. This is a monetary term in Scripture. So this guy had the one denarii, and, and, and he goes and he buries it in the ground. Now, after a long time, similar to the delaying his coming, after a long time, the master of those servants came, and he settled accounts with them. You picture the judgment. You can picture the, the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ, right? The, the judgment of the great white throne. I mean, all of this is, is the, the, the judgment, the settling of accounts with God. And he had received five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. Look what Jesus said to the master, said to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much in his kingdom. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, the same exact thing. Not the one who brought ten. Oh, man, you're going to get it so much more. No, no, no. Same thing. Jesus illustrated this too with, the, with the, the, the hiring of servants and paying them all the same at the end of the day. This is exactly what he said. So the same exact thing. The reward is worth it for every single servant of God. No matter if you're a preacher or you're cleaning toilets, if you're faithful with what God has given you or faithful as a child of God, you will be rewarded. We will be rewarded. He says, if you, you've been faithful or deliver, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also received one talent came forward, saying, Master, and listen, listen to the heart of the one. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid of you. And so what I did is to preserve myself. That's what he was saying. I was afraid of you, so to, to make sure I, I was okay, I held on to my golden ticket. It's kind of the mentality. So I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here's my golden ticket. <laughs> Please let me in. Right? He did nothing. He served nothing. He didn't actually live like his, his master was returning. He didn't live like he had been entrusted with something valuable. He did not do anything for the master's kingdom. He simply just walked around and said, you know what, <laughs> my master gave me a talent and I got it and I know where I buried it 
I'm going about living my daily life for who? For me. Because I got that talent and it's hid. And when he comes back, I'll just show him. Here, here, I'm saved. But the others live their daily lives realizing they'd been entrusted with something that wasn't theirs. The difference was how they were living their daily lives and what they did, what they were entrusted with. Two of them said, you know what? This is a gift of God's grace. And we're going to do everything we can do to bring forth fruit. We already talked about that. That brings glory to his name. That's what we're called to do. The other one simply said, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to bury it in the ground. Then I'm going to live in this world. I'm just going to keep going about my life the way I was before. And then when he comes back, he won't get mad at me. I'll give him what is his. And, and we should be good. I didn't lose it. I, I held on to it. I, I, I knew. But look what the master said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. Wow, you are lazy, he said, and you're wicked. Your heart was never converted. You knew that, I, th this is what he's saying. You knew, like in your mind, this is what you thought about me. You, you thought that I, I reaped where I have not sown and I gather where I scatter no seed. If that's the way you thought about me, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And then at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. In the very least, that's what you should have. If you thought that much about me and you really feared me, if you really had a regard for me as your master, you would have done something. But you did nothing. So take the talent from him. And give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A talent probably equal to 6,000 denarii. which was equal to one day's wage. It's vital to get this from this illustration. Both the servants and the money entrusted to them belong to the master. By the same token, whatever profit, whatever fruit came forth belonged to the master. And what's interesting about verses 24 and 25 is that we see that wicked servant took no responsibility. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. And I knew you would reap where you didn't sow. So he ascribes what his perception of God was versus responding in active faith. He lives in a lazy way spiritually. He sits on what the master had entrusted to him. And he doesn't live in anticipation of his return. Again, this not only reveals a lack of faith, but it, it reveals a lack of true reverence or true respect for God, right? That's what, it, that's what it reveals. This servant truly didn't fear God. He truly didn't respect his master. He was self-centered, and he was selfish. And it's nowhere to be in the child of God who has received all good things from God, even the opportunity to advance his kingdom. It's a gift of grace, undeserved favor. Our perception of Jesus must be right. He is God, 
And as I shared last, last Sunday night, yes, he is our friend and our brother, but he is Lord of all. And he is God Almighty. So important that we do not forget that in our approach to everyday life. So yeah, but the Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is. But it also says that he is Almighty God. Our approach should be one of humble obedience to the one who has gifted us life and gifted us opportunity to serve him. That's what it is. It's not some buddy-buddy, well, it's going to be okay if I don't serve him, right? Kind of relationship. It's not. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, please do not live your life like that. You read it. It's all throughout Scripture. It's all throughout Jesus' teaching. When you get there and, and you say, well, I may have not done a lot for the kingdom of God, but I know I'm saved. You sound just like both of those who got rejected from the presence of God. What we see is servants who lived in anticipation and their life really looked like that. They, they really lived in anticipation of their Lord's return. They, why? Because they believed it. They believed him and they believed he was coming back for them. And so it affected their lives. That's what faith does. What's beautiful about this is beyond the blessings gained from their obedience Christians are granted heaven where God honors their service by granting them more opportunity to serve him in his eternal kingdom that is phenomenal again the citizens of heaven are not inactive that kind of boredom and hopelessness is reserved for hell we're not going to just be hanging out in heaven. No, no, no. I, I believe we'll be more active than ever. Worshiping him with more sincerity and, and, and purity. Active and serving him. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but the Bible tells us that. And in doing so, we'll share the, the happiness of being with him forever. So let me ask you this morning, Christian. Are you living in anticipation? Are you living like you're a child of light? Is your flask full of oil? Are you serving to bring forth fruit for his glory? Or are you just hope, hoping on a prayer? Are you just hiding, hiding that, that hope in the ground? I, 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 listen, I go to church. I said that prayer. I know Jesus died for me and he rose again. I think I'll be okay when I go to heaven. I hope your daily life looks different than that because that sounds like that wicked, slothful servant who just hid his talent in the ground. Ready to show what he gave him when he returns. Are you living in spiritual alertness? Listen, the lost are at stake. Let me ask you, which servant does your life most closely resemble? What does your life look like? Which servant do you more closely align with? And if you're here and those words frighten you, and you're not sure that Jesus is going to come for you to rescue you, but he's going to come to judge you, I'm telling you today is the day of salvation. Quit pretending, quit hoping, quit wishing, quit playing games, whatever is necessary. 
But Jesus is coming soon. And he will not accept what is his at, at his coming. Here's, what, here's yours at your coming. No, he deserves fruit. Our lives lived in faith. Our lives lived in anticipation for him. Let's make sure that we are. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you again for what you do. Thank you for the challenge that this message has given to me. There's times that uh, even in getting tired and, and worn out and burdened down and stressed out, it, it's easy to get weary. It's easy for the flesh to grow tired and, and not stay spiritually vigilant. So as I've already told you, Lord, I, I pray you help me to always stay ready, always stay vigilant, always be looking to serve you, always be looking to, to share the, 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 the gospel, to sow the seeds so that when you come back, there's fruit that brings you glory. I pray that every single one of your children in this place would have the same desire to be living in alertness, to be living in tune with what's going on. Lord, if there is somebody here that is not living like that, is not living in anticipation, Lord, that you'll just work in their heart right now, even in this invitation, they'll respond. They'll come forward and say, I, I need to stop playing games. I need to stop hoping that I'm going to heaven. I need to once and for all surrender my life to Christ and once and for all begin to live for him every day. Lord, I just pray you move now. Help us respond in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to invite you to come.